I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. My soda used to be two thousand dollars. I used to suck about four dudes, dance, and fuck about three niggas. My soda used to be two thousand. I can't even fuck that many men no more. Mr. Haberdashery, a.k.a. Aeolus White, a.k.a. What kind of fuckery is this? Um, yeah, well, welcome, y'all. I miss y'all so much. Um, this week has been crazy for me. I've been working so hard, both at my job and um, and on my music and all of that. Like, I'm trying to write a show. Well, I shouldn't say that. I am writing a show that's kind of like a, that's a hybrid between theater, uh, poetry, like spoken word, obviously music. And I have a couple of goals. And I just woke up one day and I was like, yo, you have not been productive like you needed to be. Like, you need to be grinding, working every day, either furthering the business model or writing some new songs or figuring out a new way to push your content. And I've just been, I think this summer I was just focused on other things like myself um my spiritual development physical development or just finding a a way to sort of bring cash in while i focus on well i guess while i situate my mind and body to make music i don't know survival basically so of course i just i don't know i got this i was disappointed in myself a bit earlier but this week or last week so i just was like you know grind invoke that discipline and grind then you know we'll see what happens um so i want to talk a bit about the sound bites they're just really light sound bites nothing really deep kiki palmer for vanity fair she was talking about dick cheney and they were like do you know him and she was like nah, no 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 for i don't know him for shit and then the other one was a shipper i forgot her name but it was actually not the shipper featured it was one of her friends that's talking about the prices the coinage she used to make. And I was like, you know, really I featured it because it just reminds me of why I'm not a sex worker. Like, I feel like the prices are low. Like, they are low. Like, all that activity she did for two bands, I just feel like you got two racks for sucking three, four dicks and, like, fucking three, four dudes. Like, I don't know. That's a lot. Um, my mom and I often talk about Airbnb, like, how the price is. Like, somebody in your neighborhood will fuck up your chances of like, getting a lot of money for Airbnb because they will set the price too low. And that's what that's like to me. Like, I don't... I feel like, you know, to get topped off, like, you got to pay... Like, 
a solid like I don't know. My prices would be like five, six hundred. Like that's why I feel like you gotta incorporate like healthcare. Like I don't know. Like I'm just I'm good. <laughs> that's why I don't. I just nah. And healthcare is expensive. Doctors like are expensive, and then medication can be expensive. Like I just don't. No, every time I feel like, you know, every time I consider turning a trick or two, I'm like, uh, I just, the market doesn't exist for me. Um, But anyway, I kind of wanted to elaborate or expand on a conversation that I kind of had last week. Well, I touched upon it, like a why I'm single type of thing. And I was like, you know, maybe I should talk more about like my romantic life. Maybe I should talk more about not like the 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 TT, but just kinds of what I'm looking for, or I guess how I came to be in this space, or why I came to even look for what I am looking for. Um, and I might change my mind, and I could be wrong as fuck. And you know, there's that. You know, when you, as you mature, your criteria shift, and you know, you learn yourself more. So maybe you know, a year from now, I would listen, listen back to this and be like, "The fuck." Um. Okay. So the first thing that I think I want, yeah, I'm gonna say I think I want just to qualify it because you know. Well, okay, generally speaking, I I want someone who strives for a balance and someone who has practices or a set of practices to help him achieve balance. So the what I mean by practice is more like a praxis, right? You have an idea or some ideal or some like, you know, goal or whatever. And you've broken it down into actionable things that you could do on a regular basis that you lean on. You know, like going to the gym or I don't know, artist pages. Like, I don't even know if y'all are familiar with the artist way, but there's this book that's really famous. It's really old by Julia Cameron. And she, excuse me, she kind of like, she outlines a lot of ways to restart your creativity, re-engage your inner child if you are somebody that wants to be creative, but for some reason have has lost touch of, you know, maybe your corporate job, maybe just life circumstances, maybe you were discouraged from being an artist as a child, maybe, you know, whatever, trauma, a whole bunch of shit. So she has a pretty strict, I think it's like 12 weeks, of course, or maybe 10, that to help you re-engage with that. And she has a regimen. So whether it's like artist pages, whether it's I call my mom every Sunday, like it's just something that you do like to show that you are serious about your practice and like your balance. So I would like, and I just, you know, I pretty much have practices myself, but there's stuff that even I'm, I'm discovering, like, maybe I need to do this more regularly or whatever. So I want someone with a good spiritual practice or introspective practice. He didn't have to be religious or anything like that. He could be, you know, journaling. It could be meditation. It could be whatever, a spiritual, spiritual slash introspective practice. I'm like, right now, I'm not sure if they need to be... Like right now, I'm I'm treating them as though they're interchangeable, and I'm not sure if that's something that 
is right. Like, that shit might be wrong as fuck. Like, I don't know. I'll think about it some more. Um, a good physical practice, you don't have to be in the best shape possible, but there needs to be a level of, like, sensuality there. You know, something that... Something that... I, I know you're committed to your physical well-being. And, you know, it's not like a bureaucratic type of, well, you got to look a certain way, but just some kind of physical practice. Um, I would say intellectual practice as well, but I feel like y'all get what I'm saying. Like, each aspect of your life, just striving for that balance and harmony is what I'm looking for. Um... And this next one's a little controversial, but I don't really give a fuck. So I was talking to my homegirl this weekend, and we had amazing, we had a lot of fun on Saturday. Shout out to her, even though that's a fake ass shout out because I don't say her name, but still. Um, it was amazing. It was dope. And we were just talking about like things that I, I'm looking for or, what, or how I want to be cheated. And I was like, yo, I want to be studied. Like, I want a man who is going to study me so I don't have to say, so that he can do things or add a fresh perspective on myself and add to me in a way that doesn't require me to give instruction. Like I, obviously I have to communicate. I have to do my job in fostering intimacy. I have to do my job and being transparent or whatever. Like, that's what I have to do. But if you don't, if you're not willing to study, then it doesn't matter how transparent I'm being, right? It doesn't matter. And I feel like this happens a lot in a relationship where you'll be with somebody who is very smart, who is very committed, who is hardworking, who is thorough, who does all this shit for other people like they exhibit these traits in their life like either in their careers or whatever but when it comes down to their relationship they don't want to be engaged to that degree like they don't want to have to study um you and I feel like if that's you, then you probably don't even like the relationship. I mean, for me, I, should, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't jump out the window and say that, but your idea of what it means to be a partner is different than mine. And, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, I'm not a mind reader. That's that cop-out, the common cop-out. Like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I shouldn't have to fucking read your mind. Like, you shouldn't. Well, okay, true. You're not a mind reader, right? But... If you are interested in someone for real, well, I shouldn't say that. For me, you can't read my mind even if you wanted to. There's too much shit going here. You're like, there's too much shit. Like, even if you could read minds, it would be a lie, right? What? But there's cues, there's body language, there's like inference. Like, you could probably infer some shit based on what you know about my life or what I've said. There's. What I say, I mean, I do tend to be direct and stuff like that. And, and this is all sort of learning from experience, you know, having been with people that don't, um, that don't do that or that aren't willing. Actually, having been with people that do study, like the, the contrast and having experienced that contrast has really educated me or is, is steering me to that point. Um, and 
I guess I'm gonna just leave those two and then sort of go into like why I'm single. I think a lot of why I'm single is the criteria that I just discussed. And the way that I go about meeting people, they are, the two of them are not harmonious. Like, they are discordant in a lot of ways. Like, if you want somebody who want, who's willing to study you, is Tinder the best way, right? I mean, Tinder and social media and, like, the social media-enabled dating is really about, you know, it's a faster track than genuine interest and genuine like willingness to study and to really spend that time and to really foster that intimacy it's like do you look good you look at the picture do you look good as fuck you know can i see you looking good let me check all the pictures though because you know witchcraft you know so do you look good yes or no is your profile cute is there whatever and then the messaging is how witty you can be or how like you know, marketing, how well you can market yourself. And it just takes a lot. And then in order to have someone that you meet in that capacity be willing to study you, it takes risk. Like that person's going to have to say, you know what? I only know this motherfucker. He could be trash, but I'm going to bring my most present, my most attentive self to this moment. And most people aren't really trying to do that. Not when they meet somebody on Tinder. You know, you meet somebody on Tinder, you're like, I don't, this could go left in five minutes. So I'm just going to show up, look cute, maybe. Because, you know, I've looked crazy on Tinder dates. I'm not even, not crazy, but I looked, I've looked like, okay, I just got off of work, so what's good? Um, And that type of shit doesn't really lend itself to someone being fully present, someone willing to take the risk um, and be brave enough to just commit to at least this moment of like, let me see, let me get to know this, let me really peer into this person's life um, from a perspective that's not judgmental, but just an openness. Like, I'm going to be open, I'm going to be present, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to really give this person this time. And, you know, that shit is, 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 I'm not, it is rare, but it's also, I don't feel like it's, particularly like technology enabled, you know? And then um, I do need to leave the house a bit more, not gonna lie. (laughs) I do love my home, I do. Um, But that's something that I'm working, (laughs) that I'm working on um, for sure, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I, I think that I think that there, you know, once, I should say, here's what I should, I should say, that once I find a method that matches what I'm looking for, like a method of meeting people that matches the criteria that I'm looking for, um, I should be a bit more successful in dating, I think. But what's really funny is like on the study tip, like using the word study is a deliberate choice that I made because a lot of these words, like, you know how I feel. Shout out to the read, like Kid Fury and uh, Crystal's always say like words mean things. And it's true. Like, but I've talked about this on the podcast before. Words mean different things depending on who is saying them. So for example, if I say, 
I feel you. You know, we're talking, you're you're sharing your struggle, and I'm like, yo, I feel you. And you're like, um, word, like I think you are bad, or whatever you'd say to somebody saying I feel you. When I say I feel you based on my personality and my emotional world, like if I'm really trying to commit and be present and be there for someone, I am literally putting myself in their shoes. Like I am trying to build in my imagination like their world on a sensory level, like specifically. So if they're telling me, if I'm really trying to be present and they're telling me that their boss tried them, I'm trying to imagine that scenario, what their office looks like, how tired they were that day. Like what, you know, what does it feel like in that space? What is their boss? Like, is their boss like an asshole? Is the boss taller than them, shorter than them? Like I'm really trying to be specific in my imagining their experience. So when I say I feel you, like I am going through a lot in my imagination to feel you. So it matters when I say, okay, when I say something like that, it means something different. This is assuming that I'm committed to doing that because a lot of times I'd be like, fuck that shit, you know? But if I'm in relationship or if I'm even like a friendship or whatever, I am try- I am doing a lot of work on my hand, on my side to really get your perspective. So it's like, when I say I understand you or I love you or I like I don't know I empathize I would never say I empathize with you but you know whatever I connect to you I'm doing a lot of work on my end assuming that I mean it in that way a lot of work on my end to get there now there are times that I take shortcuts but that's because I'm good at it like no shade I am pretty good at this whole thing because I've done the work on a specific level it allows me to move quickly through nonsense specific steps you know what I mean on an abstract level but regardless when I say that I mean that so in relationship sometimes and it's not even that I'm looking for that because I think that's a me thing or you know that's related to my art related to a lot of things about me but when I say study I'm like yo I want specific study Like, I do want specificity there. I want time. I want commitment. I want being perceptive. You know, uh, there's a better better word for that, I guess, but whatever. Um, Someone who is perceptive. And, you know, I think this is going to be... I think it's going to be a journey. I think it's going to be a real journey for me. But I am, but I am open to it, and I am going to give it give it a shot. So uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about, I'm going to sort of go into the cultural appropriation. Um, ooh, should I do that or should I do, like, revolt? Um, I don't know. That's a good one. Um... Well, I'll, you know what? The cultural, I'll probably do both. The cultural appropriation thing is not even that deep. Like, I've been sitting on it for a while because I wanted to go into this like, whole economic analysis thing. But it's really not that complicated. You know, I think about this with an uh, old girl. What's her name? Catch Me Outside, uh, Bad Baby, or whatever her name is. And, you know, here's the tea is this. 
when you steal black people's shit and you are not black, right? <laughs> you are taking something that has dollar value for our from, from our community, so hip hop. And yes, I don't care if people are like, well, they're white contributors to hip hop, that's fine, but it's a black art form, a black cultural movement, whatever. So you are taking something that derives financial, you know, there's returns on it. There's some ability to gain money from it. You are taking it from this community, right? Or using, I shouldn't say taking it. You're using it, right? And when you spend your money, you don't spend it, you don't give it back to the community. So the community that creates the culture, that creates hip hop, that does all of this, right? Because you are white, and because, you know, even if you're white and immersed in the culture, I mean, it's not just because you're white. It's also just the capitalism and the fact that a lot of these, you know, the luxury brands are white and blah, blah, blah. Like, people spend their money with white businesses. So it's kind of like you are taking something that this black kid has created, right? And you are making a lot of money from it, and then you are going to give your money to your family and your friends and your community. They're not black, though, right? So you're, giving, you're, you're doing that. And then you're spending your money in black places, in the white places. So literally, literally, dollars are flowing out of the black community into the white universe and never coming back. And then when that black artist decides to really try to make it or whatever, it becomes this is too sat it's too saturated. The market's too saturated. Come up with something else. You gotta be more innovative. You know, and it's not it's like on I'm not gonna go ahead, I'm about to <laughs> But like, you know, that is the issue. The issue is that people are taking shit and it's financial potential for us because it's our innovation it's we have owned it we will we have created it ownership and authorship are not the same when it comes to black things and that's really the problem right but regardless you know when it comes to black things ownership and authorship are not the same so you have all these people monetizing these assets and then never giving the money back and then we're confused why we don't have the the community, the black community, is not experiencing the socioeconomic gains that are parallel to like to our contribution, to our cultural contribution. Um, I was watching the revolt. Well, I watched some of it, and Killer Mike was talking about, and I want to watch the whole thing. He was talking about, like, if black people are 15% of the population, until you have 15% representation along all the vectors, like, you're failing. And I was like, mm, I mean, that's true, but... That's the, that's the floor to me. Because culturally, I don't think... and. I don't black people constitute more than 15% of the culture even if it's just 15% of you know the, even if the numbers are 15% when you look at and obviously I'm talking about music I'm talking about music but when you look at the sort of total revenue brought in on by music by by, I shouldn't say by popular music. I would say by 
um, the recording, like music recording. Oh well, no, because I want I want to exclude movies, and I want to exclude um, sort of. Well, should I exclude movies? Well, okay, so I'd want to exclude music education for sure. And I'm not sure if I'm going to exclude movies or not, like soundtracks and like, you know, that type of thing. But what I am talking about is really Billboard. When you look at Billboard, how much of that that you see on Billboard is driven by black artists, right? Black artists or art forms derived from black innovation, (laughs) It's more than 15%. You, know, you can't tell me that it's only 15 songs in that bitch. <laughs> now, if you're going to tell me that... But, and then do you think black artists, like all the black musicians, do you think they are getting 15% of the... Well, their proportion of that matter of fact? I can probably look up how many black... Where's my phone? But yeah, hold on. <laughs> Because this shit, it might take me too long to look this up, so maybe not. But it's like, I'd have to probably count it, and I'm not doing that. Um, but we could take like a, like a proxy. Of the top, well, I don't know if I'm going to count Senorita. Well, I should probably, but whatever. <laughs> that's that's I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, one of the top ten of the top ten songs. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. So six of them feature are either led by or feature black artists. Um, the ones that don't. Bad guy, uh, Senor, Sean Mendez and uh, Camilla. B- bad guy or Billy Eilish. I don't even know who the fuck that is, but that song apparently goes. Um, Post Malone, like, see, and that, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, Post Malone has only became who he is by co-opting black culture, so I really should include him. So that would be seven. Yeah, 70% of the top 10 of the most popular songs in this country are the feature or or have black artists as the lead artist. And this does not include any songwriting. This does not include any production. Um, This is not me doing some kind of analysis that's like, well, we invented this in 1935. Like, this is not that. Um... And I don't believe that of everybody in the music industry, black people have 70% of the world. I don't believe that. So it's kind of just like, uh, I don't think the one-to-one like percentage representation that Killer Mike was talking about in the Revolt Summit gets us there. It really needs to be about, mo- I mean economic distribution you know it needs to be about people getting what they're owed and really when it it's about having authorship equal ownership and having ownership you know translate into uh 
equity. Like, obviously, like just getting the money, your returns of revenue or profit or whatever that are proportional to your ownership. It is really that simple, and I and I felt like, you know, I wanted to do this like big thing economically or financially about it. But I thought about it, and it's really not that deep. Get have authorship equal ownership, and you know there was an article on Billboard as well. I think it was about like Jesse St. James. He's a co-writer on Lizzo's Truth Hurts. And now that's the most popular song. And it was like, you know, he was talking about, I think a year ago, he did another interview with them where saying like, as a queer person, you as a queer male, you are told to use your talents to support cisgendered women. Um, And you are never told that you can be the star. And when he said that shit, I was like, you have never lied. When you look at the, 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 I mean, and I, this is not to shade anybody. We love our queens. Like, we love Beyonce. We love them. But when you look at the aesthetic that someone like a Beyonce has, a lot of that is literally created by queer people. Like, literally. Like, not even just like, oh, we, we are a reference. Like, 80s ball cultures are a reference. It's like, no, her choreographer is gay. Like, no, her, like, these are actual people making this look and are basically told that this is our avenue, that this is how we this is how we best manifest our talent. And the new article that came out with Jesse St. James was about, well, how do you feel now? And is it progress? Because he's a co-writer on this record, which he said that it was progress. But the progress that I think he really was talking about was uh, Old Town Road with Lil Nas. I think that was like, you know, obviously progress. But I don't know how much being a co-writer on this record is progress. Like, not to sit on it. Obviously, get your coins, get your money, get your credits, right? I'm, you know, we, and we love Lizzo. But it doesn't undermine the point that he made originally, which I think still stands. You know, and I only bring this up to say... That if ownership does not equal, or ownership does not equal ownership for black people, it really, 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 really does not equal ownership when it comes to black queer people. And especially if you want to go to like black queer women, because even black queer men, being men, have the ability, um, have visibility, whether or not it's like, you know, power, but visibility is a way to power. It's a road to power. Um, it's funny. I was watching the black lady sketch show on HBO and they had this one sketch about this regular looking black woman who, who doubles as a spy because she's invisible to everyone. Um, because she's a little, like she's chubby um, and just is regular. Like, but she's a black woman and they just, forget about her and ignore her and she can just walk. And it was, it's sad, you know, because like speaking about that invisibility um, really just kind of fucking made me sad. But it's funny at the same time, they do a really good job with it. But it's the kind of thing where if you're a queer black woman who especially, um, who is an author of obviously much culture and doesn't, 
have a look that is con- beautiful by conventional standards, right? That doesn't, like, you're not getting the long hair or you're not, like, anything Eurocentric or whatever. People just completely disregard you. So we don't really talk about the black queer woman's contribution um, to culture. And a lot of that's in, a lot of that has been kept super, 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 super underground. Um and that's why I think that's why the trans movement, you know, has value. Um, well, obviously, obviously, because we have to respect people. But that's, the other way is to really put women, put the queer woman's plight, or at least an aspect of a certain subsect of the queer woman's plight, in public eye, right, to give that visibility to these women, because we typically, when we think about gay rights or LGBTQ or whatever, it's usually the man that's in the center, um, or a white woman that's in the center, so it's like, yeah, you know, whatever, I think I'll dive, I think my next episode will be a drunk episode, so that will be fun, we'll do a drinking one, but I, I also think I want to try something a bit new, um, I want to feature some of my poetry on the podcast, so if I can get my life together by next week, I will start the episode with my poetry, and then maybe do like a little fun thing, and then be drunk, because I'm going to turn up. Um, we'll have a lovely, 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 lovely week. I'll probably expand more on my love life because I think that's important for, for queer people, honestly, to really have a conversation about what partnership, um, what partnership looks like, even what friendship looks like, even what like brotherhood, like what these things, sisterhood, what these things look like for us, particularly now and era that is so radicalized, which is why I kind of went through that for me, um, and we'll probably do, I'm going to start sharing more of my music and more of what's going on also creatively because, you know, yes, it's about to be that season. Well, have a lovely, lovely week. I love you, love you all. Talk to you soon.